0: All right, if you would take your Bible please for just a moment this morning to the book of 1 Samuel in your Bible, book 1 Samuel. And uh, I hope you'll take your Bible and turn there. If you did not bring one, there's probably one there in the pew in front of you. And and, uh, if you don't have one, please take that one home with you if it don't have a name in it. So if somebody was here and left their Bible in that pew rack, and uh, I give it to you, I might get in a little trouble, I have no idea about that. It's good to have Brother Bobby and Ms. Isabel here today. Uh, Brother Bobby was, uh, and Ms. Isabel was very instrumental in the starting of this church 31 years ago. Uh, Ms. Isabel, Nancy and my wife tried churches all over the, all over the city and uh, was trying to find a church home while I was in evangelism. And uh, they were not treated very well at some of the churches. In fact, one church, the pastor told my wife as she left, now, Ms. Wilbur, you do know there's other churches in the community. And there is now for sure. And uh, Miss Nancy and my wife was... The prayer warriors that prayed this church into existence. And uh, Brother Bobby was my coon hunting buddy. And uh, he got involved and became my associate and song leader and uh, just staff honcho who promised my staff if they didn't straighten out, he'd take them to the w- woods and whoop them real good. And that's one way of motivating folks, I guess. And they've just returned from back east. Bob had some meetings, revival meetings, and had people saved. And and, uh, altars were filled, and I'm glad. Last night, I had the privilege of going to Waco, hearing one of our young men preach. Uh, It's good tonight, if you'll be here tonight. We have a missionary be here tonight, a bus kid that rode my busses. 40, how many years ago? 45, 46, 47, 8 years ago. And he's been on the mission field now for 45 plus years. uh, Building churches and winning people to Christ all over the country. God's been good over these years to call young men and young ladies out of the ministry. Today I'm just going to have a good time, whether you do or not. Um, I'll talk a little bit today about uh, some valleys along the way for 31 years. Running into uh, situations where that, uh, men said, that won't work. You can't do that. There's just no way in the world that'll work. But somehow or another, with God's help, it worked. Talk to you a little bit about folks involved in the city of Joshua asking me not to buy him a property on the highway because it dug too deep into their tax base. <laughs> Meetings at City Hall saying you can't have a ramp into Mountain Valley Boulevard. If you go back there, you'll see there's two ramps. We put about 350 folks in Joshua's business meeting one night and they decided to let us have ramps. You just can't do that. I want you to turn your Bible to a very familiar story in the Bible. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, everybody here today, probably, regardless of the depth, the height, the breadth, the length, of your Bible study, are familiar with this chapter in the Word of God. It's a true story about a young man who one day is destined to be king over all Israel. But now he has the meager task of keeping sheep while his older brothers is out fighting for their country. And Jesse summons David to himself and said, David, go see how your four brothers are doing in the war. And David leaves the house with just a few cheese and a few loaves of bread and just a few goodies and makes his way to go see how his four older brothers are doing in the war. And something unusual has happened before David arrives. The Bible explains in the text, verses 1 down through 14, 15, 16, 17, that there is an unusual situation occurs. An unusual individual now has been recruited, if you please, by the Philistines. His name is Goliath. I know you're familiar with the story. Probably in the Word of God, there's none bigger, none uglier, none smelt worse, and none more capable of taking your head off in a moment than the man Goliath. Nine feet, six inches tall. You say, how do you know he's that tall? How do you know he wasn't? The average Jew is five foot six inches tall. Do you know where the average Jew's nose would touch if he walked up face to face with Goliath? Dead on in the belly button. Imagine the monstrosity, the huge giant called Goliath standing in the valley summons and challenging the armies of Israel and all of them hiding in the foxhole. David arrives in verse 22 and the Bible says, and David left his chariot in the hands of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked With them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. Verse 26, and David spake to the men that stood by him saying what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defile the armies of the living God and the people answered him after this manner saying so shall it be to the man that killeth him and Eliab His eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. And Elab, anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? Notice, few sheep. David's insignificance is seen as his brother beguiles and ridicules David for being down there. I know thy pride, his brother said. Oh, the one that's hiding in the foxhole that ain't fighting. I know thy pride. Isn't it amazing how many experts we have today who's never done anything? I know thy pride, the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? I would uh, say that David, in his ordinary duties of the day, in obeying what his father had suggested he do, not knowing the giant that he's about to face, not knowing the challenge that is about to hit him square head on, thinking it's just an ordinary day of taking cheese and a few supplies to the army because in those days uh, it was a voluntary army. And they just went and if they had anything to eat, somebody outside the forces supplied the need. And David was just doing what he usually did. And to his ultimate surprise, the giant shows up. Have you ever been having an ordinary day and all of a sudden the giant showed up. You might have said something real smart to your wife that she didn't receive just right. And Goliath filled the whole house. Come on now, can you say amen? You may have a teenager, bless your heart, and everything is just running just as smooth as glass. And then the phone rings and Goliath shows up. You see, there's all kinds of giants that we face in our life. There are physical giants that shows up. Physical ailments, doctors, diagnosis, pains we don't understand, old age, And the giant called Physallocytic shows up. The physical giant shows up. There are emotional giants that shows up. There are spiritual giants that shows up. There's giants of addiction that shows up before we know it. We can't put our phone down, and if we misplace it, we have are we go into hysterics. Where's my phone? What am I going to do without my phone? Probably think. <laughs> what would you do without Pinterest and uh, and? Uh, What's that woman's name? Siri. <laughs> Siri. What would you do if you couldn't? Google it. Now God, if you'd lost your phone, that'd be a terrible Goliath to show up, wouldn't it? Now, there are giants, if you please, of fear. Giants uh, always appear and show up when we least expect it. David was merely talking to his elder brother, uh, doing what he regularly did, ordinary day, and all of a sudden, this ugly nine-foot giant stood up, and David had to face his giant. I'll bet you if I was a betting man, everybody here today has got a giant that they're trying to face. I don't know what it is, but thank God he knows what it is. It may be a domestic situation that's falling apart and the more you try to fix it, the deeper you get The more you try to understand one another, the farther apart you get. Until eventually you're walking around the house on eggshells, afraid to say anything because everything you say is taken in the wrong way. It may be a relationship with a teenager, a kid, who now has been educated at the feet of your cell phone who realize how stupid mom and daddy really are and all of a sudden that giant shows up and I want you to know something you can either face the giant you can fear the giant you can flee the giant when you get back home the giant will be there I thought if it would be alright for just a minute I'd talk to you this morning about facing the giants in your life. You say I don't have any. Next week I'll preach on lion. <laughs> facing the giants. David has been anointed king over all Israel. during these times until David mounts the throne of Israel, David has had faced tremendous giants in his life. The text talks about a bear and a lion that David faced single-handedly and defeated the giants. And God used this experience in his life of of the lion and the bear, to give him the faith to face Goliath in the valley of Elam. David knew that if God could see him through Goliath, he could see him through his dysfunctional family. And David had a dysfunctional family. His daughter raped by his son. His son Absalom hanging in a tree with Joab's darts in his heart. Now I don't know about you, but when something happens to my kids, it happens to me. Amen. Not a bigger giant will ever come to your house than he comes in and starts messing with your kids. And God has used all these experiences and giants in David's life to make David learn to trust in God. Do you have any idea who penned this? Psalms 11 verse 1. In the Lord I put my trust. Why? David was no was no threat to Goliath. Little runty, red-headed, freckle-faced Jew with a slingshot in his hand facing this tremendous champion for the Goli- of the Philistines. Why, if David had not have trusted God, David would have been just a splatter on the bottom of that valley. And all of these giants that David has faced, David is learning something. Psalms 18, verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord. Psalms 18, verse 17, He delivered me from all of my strong enemies, for they were too strong for me. Have we learned anything from the giants that have been in our life? Or were they just coincidental? Is God still in control? Psalms 31 and verse 1, And thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He wrote that after the Valley of Elam. He wrote that after he had slain the lion and the bear. He wrote that after Goliath had hit the dirt and he chopped his head off. He did that after the family problems. He did it after he'd gone through all hell and earth. He learned to trust the Lord. Have we learned anything? Are we still trying to work it all by ourselves? That's why your Goliath is still standing. I I don't know. We just can't go through this family problem. We'll get you a slingshot. Put your trust in God. And you nail that giant right between the eyeballs. Because giants don't just drift away. Are we having fun yet? Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Have we learned anything? You see, during these times of difficulties, God is teaching David to trust the Lord. And God allows us to observe these things so that we might learn to trust the Lord. You see, during these particular times, if we'll just take a visit down to the valley of Elah, we can learn a lesson, I think, that'll help us real good. First of all, I'd like to talk to you this morning and just remind you that giants in our life are a matter of timing. Isn't it such a coincidence that David showed up the same time Goliath showed up? Now I know that most of us here today just know that everything happens to us is by accident. That's just the way it is. But David, in verse 17 and 19, was just doing the ordinary. Just taking the cheese, taking the supplies, and all of a sudden, a problem arose. Have you ever been having an ordinary day and a problem arose? A giant stood up. Maybe going through Burleson and suddenly you see behind you a car with a bubblegum machine on top. Advertising how stupid you are because you didn't stop at that signal. Goliath shows up. Just ordinary. You see, during these days, the military in those days, the king would announce, hey, look, we got a problem with old brother so-and-so over in the other kingdom. I'd like for all the volunteers that like to go and we'll go whoop him. And all the folk would volunteer. It's kind of like the army worked in those days, kind of like a posse in the Old West. Somebody would rob a bank. The bank robbers would ride out of town. And the sheriff would say, we're going to go catch them. Who wants to go? And they all would volunteer. They'd jump on the horse and take off after the crook. You remember that? Oh, I was reading the other day about Lone Ranger and Tonto. Any folks ever watch Lone Ranger and Tonto? You know, I was a Lone Ranger fan before we could watch Lone Ranger. Uh, we were very privileged at our house. We had one of few radios in the community. And it had a wire running out the window up on a great large pole. I guess that was the antenna for the radio. And we boys would all get around the radio and Hi old silver Hoy and Preston of the Mounties and forget what that frog's name was, but we were entertained we had to leave our phones at the house while we (laughs) listened to these programs I was reading the other day that that Lone Ranger and Tonto had been out for a long ride and they stopped off to eat dinner at one of the local restaurants and Lone Ranger and Tonto went inside and they were eating and some big burly cowboy walked in and said, Who owns that big white horse outside? Lone Ranger was offended and stood up and said, That's my horse. Why? Said, Well, he's laying on his side. look like he's dying out there. So Lone Ranger and Tonto went out and sure enough old silver was laying flat out on the ground about to die heat stroke he's having so Lone ranger said Tonto would you start running around silver there and create some breeze so that silver can begin to breathe and get the feeling better Yes, sir, Kimosabi, right away, round and round. He started running around that horse and created a breeze, and after a while, old Silver got to feeling better and stood right up. So Lone Ranger said, I can't do anything. I might as well go in and finish my meal. And he was eating. A little while, another big old Texan walked in and said, Hey, who owns that white horse outside? Lone Ranger stood up, straightened his gun and said, Me, why? God said, Well, I'm just wondering. You left your engine running. <laughs> Glad you was on the front row for that wife. It went over your head if you'd been up the balcony, right? Huh? customer of the day. Let me make a statement. We'll close in a minute. Giants do not just happen to show up. Please realize their appearance is always well-timed. That issue, that ache, that problem that giant is always well timed from our perspective why did it show up at this time from god's perspective it's god's perfect plan right. for all things work together for good to them that love god those that are called according to his purpose the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever has happened in your life as a child of God, they didn't just happen. They were arranged by an almighty, loving, sufficient God. I wish I had time, but I could talk to you about some Spies that Moses sent out, you remember those guys sent out 12 spies. You remember that you can read the story if you would, don't have time. But you can read the story over Numbers chapter 13, and you'll find that 12 spies went out to spy out the land before Moses and the Israelites were going to go in and fight for the lion. And they sent out 12 spies, they came back and they came back with a cluster of grapes so huge. That they could lay on the shoulder And two men carried them back Moses said go Spy the land Look at the people And see what kind of cities they live in If they live in tents or if they live in buildings And so they went They came back They stayed 40 days spying out the land Now Moses And the Israelites Having 11 days Get this, 11 days Not years, not months 11 days from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea looking at the promised land 11 days 11 days they stand there looking at the land that God has promised them the God that has met with them up Mount Sinai the God that sent the 11 plagues ha <laughs> ha The God that opened the Red Sea, the God now has them looking into the promised land. Sends out 12 spies, 10 come back and says, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. We cannot take the land because the land, listen now, is full of giants. Verse 33 in the book of Numbers. We can't take the land because it's full of giants. Kind of reminds you of a lot of Christians that just can't seem to get on top of this thing of honoring God. We can't do it. It's just so hard to live for God. I have to dress right and talk right and go right and be right. I just, too many giants. So the nation of Israel looks at the promised land and decides we can't do it because it's full of giants. Now, lest you and I run 40 years later And they've come to the same place. And you'll find that in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9, I think. If you would please. Could I read it for you? Deuteronomy 9. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day. To go in and possess the nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. A great people and tall. Oh, by the way, the giants are still there. No, 40 years ago, you ran from the giants. Forty years ago, you were fearful. Forty years ago, you did not face your giant. You run from your giant. Now, if you want victory and you want the land, listen, the giants are still there. And believe me, whatever giant you're facing, if you don't defeat it now, it'll be back. It'll be there when you get back. Well, I just can't make this marriage work. Well, do you have any problem with the last one? I bet you thought it was her fault. Well, I want you to look. you face the same giant in another situation. Well, if I could just get her straightened out. We're really? Goliath's hard to handle, ain't he? See, I just thought I'd throw that out to you. Question, did God know about the giants before Israel got there? Did God know about Goliath before David got there? Did he? Did he? Did he? Somebody tell me. Did God know about the giants before they got there? Could God have taken care of the giants before they got there? Why didn't he? Maybe God was trying to show David something. You know why you got your giant? God's trying to show you something. God's trying to grow you. But first God's got to show you That you can't handle this job all by yourself. Matter of timing. I thought that was pretty good. I didn't get very good, man. But the giants does not go away. Over the thirty-one years of pastoring this church, do you think there's been any giants? (laughs) Do you think there's? My wife and I and Bobby and Nancy started this church and we was all broke. Nobody would support us. Broke. One of the most astronomical giants I've ever faced was when me and Brother Isabel leased the daycare center for $600 a month to have church. And me and Bob left and said, where are we going to get $600 a month? We're so broke right now. We can't afford to pay attention. And we've just obligated ourselves for $600 a month rent on the buildings that we're going to have church in. And we don't have church. You say, well, preacher, $600 ain't much. It is if you're broke. $600 is... It's a lot huger than our little old bitty, you know, $4,000 a week just for this building and $2,500 a month for that building. But $600 a month if you're broke is, is a lot of money. You see, the reason this church grew so fast because we were scared to death we was going to lose it so we went to work and started knocking doors that was a huge giant for me back in those days 11 months later we'd save $22,000 put it in the bank I think that's what it was. Then I had to go down to the banker we didn't know and borrow a quarter of a million dollars to build our first building. Somebody said, I don't believe in debt. You're sitting in it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, you're sitting in the evidence of things not seen your experience and evidence of faith that just a few handful of folk 31 years ago said we'll trust God and we'll borrow a quarter million dollars and we'll build our first building in six months the men and the ladies of this church built the first building that we've had the Spanish church we built it in six months From day scratch Till we moved in And if you've ever been down to the other building You want know why the piano and organ Was on the second floor Because we grew so fast We didn't have any place else To put the piano and organ So we built a place up high On the second floor You say Well I've never been down there You ought to go down there someday That's heritage Would you believe over 31 years Goliath had his field day around here? I remember one time we needed $100,000. You say, what for? I found a good coon dog. (laughs) And that's back when $100,000 was $100,000 to us. I mean, we just... We need $100,000 to build our gymnasium. Well, now we had a problem. The land was mortgaged <laughs> that we're going to build our building on. You ever tried that? Try that. Go borrow money on mortgage property and see how that works real good. My wife and we put together one of the most wonderful presentations you would thought was going to Washington next week to present this man. We could present. I mean, I've laid it out on the desk, for the bankers, and they said, boy, that's a nice presentation. Preacher, They ain't no way in the world you're going to be able to borrow money to build that gymnasium on property that is mortgaged. Goliath stuck his ugly head up. He had bad breath. No, you can't do it. You've come to a stump. You can't progress. That's it. And I said, what do you mean I can't borrow money on mortgage property? He said, we ain't going to let you have it. We can't let you have it. $100,000. I said, would this work? What if I go back to our folks and ask them to take money that they have in the savings in your bank and get them to loan it to me at the same interest you're trying to charge me? Will that work? He said, no, sir, that won't work. Have you driven by the gym lately? And we paid our folk we paid our folk the same interest that they was going to charge us at the bank and our folks loaned us that money and we built a gym. Amen. Goliath stuck his head up and I said, give me the slingshot. I could tell you all day long about how Goliath has stuck his head up in this place and tried to destroy it and tried to shut her down. But I learned a long time ago, you kill giants, you don't run from them. Now, you want me to give you a kicker to that story? Once we moved up here, and we went soul winning, and we sent buses all over this neighborhood, and our congregation began to grow. My wife said to me, we've got $100,000 we need to put in a jumbo CD. I said, well, I think I'll go ask the guy who said I couldn't borrow money from him if he'd like to give us a CD. He had just started that bank right down on the corner, right, right down there. And I walked in and I said, say, hey, I'd like to buy... CD he looked at me across the desk and said I can't do that I said why he said well our bank is too new and we just are not doing CDs yet I said in other words a few years ago you couldn't loan me money now I can't loan you the same amount of money And he said, that's right. (laughs) Giants don't go away. You defeat giants. You kill giants. You eradicate giants. If you don't, Goliath will be there every morning and every night saying, where's your champion? Giants is a matter of timing. Giants is a matter of trusting. I'd like to close. Giants is a matter of taking, not talking. Just one look, if you would please. And I'll show you the verse... And it's uh, five minutes and I'll be done. Two minutes, I'll be done. After a while. In fact, I'm done right now. I just just ain't settled on what to do yet. All right. Watch this. Verse 40. And the Bible said, And David took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones, out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in the script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. There's a time we stop talking and we start taking. Many are praying, Dear God, why don't you do something? And God in heaven is saying, Christian, why don't you do something? God didn't do anything to the giant till David got down there in the valley with him. You're praying and asking God to help you with your problem. Well, why don't you start the process by acting like God wants you to act? Doing what God wants you to do. Living like God wants you to live. Maybe God will take care of the giant before you ever get there. You see, you can hide in your tent Or you might even be able to move your tent. You know, if Goliath is too big for you, you might want to change churches. or You might want to change mates. It might be like a pair of shoes. This one didn't fit. Let's go get another one. Uh, You can hide in your tent from your problems you can move your tent if you please and you can pray about your giants or you might even pretend they don't exist but they're there I said they're there I said they're there and when you least expect it Goliath shows up and says where's your champion is that not so? Please, I'm just trying to help you. And there's only one way to fight. And that's not fair. It always humored me when somebody asked if I was going to fight fair. Fair. Knock this chip off my shoulder. My aim was always bad. I missed the chip every time. Somebody said, you wouldn't slip on, up on somebody, would you? And hit them in the back of the head. I'd throw a rock and hit them in the back of the head. There's only one way to fight. Listen to me. That's to win. Did you hear me? Somebody said, well, it's not honorable. No, but it's a lot safer. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? And I'm not going to fight the Goliaths in my life fair. I'm not going to wait till they put a chip on their shoulder and say, Preacher, knock this chip off and me and you and Goliath will have a battle. No, sir. I'm going to kill the giants in my life. I don't want them showing up next week. My daddy said, long time ago, said, now let me teach you something, son. You start off to school, more than likely, somebody will pick on you and you'll get in a fight. I said, no, daddy, I'm too good a Christian. I'm just going to turn the other cheek and he'll follow through with a right cross. He said, if you whoop a person until you let him loose, will always come back, but he said, "Son, if you whoop them till they get loose, they won't ever come back." One way to fight: win. The giants in your life will keep showing up every morning and every night. Until you and God gets down in the valley with them, and you realize that the God you serve is bigger than any giant in this world. Amen. My closing statement: There was another giant down in that valley that David knew, and his name was not Goliath. His name was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And David went down and looked Goliath in the face and said, me and the God that whooped that lion and the God that whooped that bear is going to put a job on you you ain't never going to rub off.